0: Hey, welcome back to the C3 Podcast. This week, Pastor Robin McKinley continues our series, The Great Commission, in the light of the return of Jesus. This sermon is called, Set Your Heart on the Reunion. This is emotional for me. The day of Pentecost, they were all in one room, gathered together. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, the entire church will be all together in one room again. We hope you enjoy today's message, and if you'd like, go to c3pottstown.com and plan a visit to join us next Sunday. Jesus commissioned the church with the following great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's not only a commission, there's a promise involved there. Did you hear that? He's always going to be with us. Amen. And then he gave us a great incentive to fulfill that commission. We call it the blessed hope. Yes, he's coming back. And today, we're, talking, we're going to talk about the reunion that we're going to have with Jesus. Amen. Now, before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he and his disciples had this short conversation. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And here's the answer Jesus gave. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. Then the Lord gave this instruction. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The event Jesus spoke about happened about 10 days later. Acts chapter 2 says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, I didn't purposely open the windows for this occasion. I opened them earlier this week, kind of air this place out because I knew the temperatures were going to be nice. But uh, maybe we should pull them a little lower in case the Lord wants to throw a wind through here. Uh, He doesn't need open windows. He can do it right here because he did it in the upper room. Amen. Amen. It goes on to say, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So today, Pentecost Sunday, it's the celebration of the day the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. It was a great day for the church and for each of us. As, that, uh, as great as that day was, something else unique Happened on that day that we never think about. Can I tell you what that is? It was the last time the church met together in one room. The entire church met together in one room. 120 were there. After the Spirit was poured out, the church grew by 3,000 people and it never met in a single room again. Now before Jesus was arrested, he ate the Passover meal with his disciples. Let's reflect for a moment on what happened during that meal. Jesus first served the bread as his broken body, but the cup was a little more involved than that. The Passover meal was intersected by Uh, drinking four cups at specific intervals. And And the cups symbolize the fourfold purpose of God. Listen to what he said in Exodus chapter six. He says, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt. So what did the Lord say in that portion of scripture? He says, I will bring you out. I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you, and I will take you as my own people and be your God. Each cup was drunk at a specific time during the meal. The first one was at the beginning. The second time they, they drank of the cup. It was after eating bitter herbs and stewed fruit. And it, but it was before they ate the lamb, the Passover lamb. The third, uh, sometimes referred to as the cup of redemption, was drunk after they ate of the Passover lamb. Now listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And then he did something that was of interest to all of us. He says, Mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, it was common to remain together at the table for several hours after the meal, deep in conversation about God's past and the future acts of redemption. And the conversation would end with singing of selected psalms, hymns, uh, the, the, hymns that were written in the psalms. You know, it's somewhere between Psalm 113 and 118 in, in that area. Like, so psalms like this. Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, now and forever, ever everywhere from the east to the west. Praise the name of the Lord, for the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Or maybe from Psalm 117, where it says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. For his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. You know, the Passover would end... Them with them drinking the fourth cup. This was the cup of consummation. Consummation can be defined as the completion of a goal. The fulfillment of a desired outcome. And or the marks of the arrival of something. In biblical theology the consummation of the kingdom of God happens at the arrival of Jesus. Where the kingdoms of this world are directly under the kingdom of God on the earth. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 11. It says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. You see, Jesus is the consummation of all truth. And all grace. And he declared that in John chapter 14. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come unto the Father except through me. Now, he did not say, I am a way, or I am a truth, or a life. He is the way to eternal life. Those who have rejected Jesus at their death, at their death, they have come to a place that they have gambled and lost if they go into eternity without Jesus. Why? Because he is their only opportunity to eternal life and they miss it. They miss it. Because when we leave this life, that point, that is the point of no return. Have you been to Niagara Falls? Niagara Falls is a pretty nice place. We went there a lot when I was a kid. You know, Most of you know that I was born in England. My mom and my brother and I, we moved to this country when I was seven years of age. The only relative my mom had in this continent was one of her brothers lived in Canada. So we went to see Uncle Les quite a bit, and we would always go through Niagara Falls, or through Niagara, and we would see the falls to visit him. So I'd been there quite a number of times. You know, just about three miles up the river from the falls, there's buoys in the river that says danger zone. You see from that sign one is in severe danger if their motorboat experiences any power loss of power. But then if you get closer to the falls there are other signs and they say point of no return. Once one passes that point no possibility of rescue exists not even a high-powered motorboat can make it if they go past the point of no return the current is so strong and fast that at that point certain death is inevitable friends many people even people in sound of my voice maybe in this room watching online many people are in in that danger zone in their lives. And they are getting extremely close to the point of no return. Let's get back to the Last Supper. After Jesus had served the third cup and he said, I will not drink from this cup of the vine from now on, he never drank of the fourth cup. He prematurely ended the meal. Verse 30 says, then they sang a hymn after the third cup and went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, the third cup is important to us. The third cup is the cup of redemption. We drink it in all of our communion services. In fact, later in this service, we are going to receive communion. We drink it as a memorial of the Lord's redemptive death. Listen to what Paul said when he talked about communion. He says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You see, Jesus didn't drink the cup of consummation that night. He drank the cup before the hymn and of redemption, and there was supposed to be the cup following but after singing, he took that small group of people that he had with him out to the Mount of Olives. The fourth cup, the cu- cup of consummation, looks forward to the future when God's redemptive acts are complete. His judgment will be poured out on unbelievers. And he will regather the redeemed. Revelation 19 tells us about this event it's called the marriage supper of the lamb i can't wait for the marriage supper of the lamb listen to what it says it says then be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride has prepared herself She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So we're going to talk about the fourth and final cup. Jesus said that he will drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. At that meal, we will drink the fourth and final cup. The cup of consummation. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, when the church is all together. Now, listen to this, friends. This is emotional for me. The day of Pentecost, they were all in one room, gathered together. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, the entire church will be all together in one room again to drink. Of the cup of consummation. Picture it in your mind, would you? You know, we walked in Friday night and maybe you saw some pictures if you weren't there of the room. It, it was beautiful. It was nice. We'd have never set anything up that nice if we had it here at the church. But I want you to picture something nicer than that, okay? Picture the banquet hall. So vast, it stretches as far as the eye can see. But so intimate, every person feels apart. Look at the table set with the linens and the dishes and the utensils of heaven. Ornamented with dazzling elegance and beauty. Banners streaming from the vaulted ceilings. Orchestras playing instruments of sympathy and praise. Harps strumming. Symbols flash, trumpets sound, wind chimes ring, bells and horns, violins and clarinets. From time to time, the instruments would, would kinda hush so the vast angel choirs could break through with melodies of joy. The tables are, are for the guests who have been washed by the blood of the lamb, and they're clothed in pure white. An angel steps to the podium and announces, Please stand at your place. The meal will begin momentarily. A hush falls in the room. We look at the vast tapestry of guests and and note the faces of joy all around. Entering the head table is a company of apostles and prophets and martyrs who had bore the, the burden in the heat of the day and they remained faithful. Then the moment comes. As the last earthly guest is standing, another angel announces the host. I present to you the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus of Nazareth. And trumpets, they begin the fanfare with myriads of angels lifting their voice in harmony of, of hallelujahs. And the heavenly honor guard waving flags and streamers fills the hall. Then he enters. Majestic in his beauty. The Son of Man and the Son of God makes his way to the place of honor. Silence falls. His voice breaks the stillness. Welcome to my marriage supper. Let us drink of the cup of consummation. And together with him, the saints of all ages, nations, languages and cultures from villages and cities from farms and desert places we all lift our cup as he lifts his and at that moment as we drink of the fourth cup redemption saga is complete and the eternal age has opened up before us oh my friend what a day that will be let's come back to earth In our present age, there are still invitations to be sent. The guest list is is incomplete, friends. Through a parable, the Lord has given us the privilege of inviting everyone to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 14. He says, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you can find to come so the house will be filled. I learned that scripture from the King James. It says, go out into the highways and the byways to fill the house. Our knowledge of that great reunion with Christ should fill us with such an urgency to obey that we take the gospel to every person, no matter where they live, what their age, no matter what language they speak, or what their skin color is, their con- the condition of their health, or their gender, their economic sta- uh, status, their need, or even if they serve false gods, every one of them needs to get the invitation because there's an urgency. Maranatha, You know what that means? Oh, Lord, come. I want them to come, but I want other people to go with us. This is the relevance of the second coming to the Great Commission. Friends, he says, I'm commissioning you to go. You see, he's, he's coming soon. And we're told to go into the highways and the byways and bring them in. Jesus said the problem with the harvest lies not in the harvest. He says the harvest is there. But he says what's lacking is willing workers. Why? Why is the church lacking willing workers? I mean, it did when Jesus walked the earth and it still does. Maybe because much of the church has gone to sleep. Maybe the church doesn't really believe that Jesus is coming again. I've heard people say, well, you've been talking about that forever, and we're gonna still continue to talk about it until he gets here. So maybe people don't believe that Jesus is coming, or at least they act like he isn't coming. You see, the doctrine of the second coming aims directly at the worker and not the world. So, what should the worker do? In view of his imminent return, here's what the worker is told to do. And I preached it for four weeks now. The first one was live righteously, live in readiness for his coming. The second one, resolve to endure. You know, we're going to be persecuted, we're going to go through pressures, but we need to endure to the end the third one anticipate the reward Jesus says he's bringing the reward with him when he comes to get us when he splits the sky and then today set your heart on the reunion so we shall be with the Lord forever Maranatha yes even so Come, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the elements of communion this morning. And as they're doing that, would you do some self-evaluation today? Are you at a place in your life right now that you miss him? Or have you settled down in Too much comfort. You know, Bonnie and Drake are watching right now. And Sister Seymour, go ahead, guys, just pass pass it out. And Drake's mom, Sister Seymour, she yearned to go to heaven, she couldn't wait to see Jesus. And she's been an inspiration for me because every day I I want it to be the day that we see Jesus. Let's not get too comfortable where we're at, friends, that we allow the comfort to move us away from seeing Jesus. Another thing that we need to examine ourselves with is do you really ache for those who are outside the family of God? Do you ache for that? Do you ache so much that you'll renew every effort to bring them to that great reunion? The one I just talked about. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Do we have the the commitment for on there? It's in the notes. The commitment says, I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I don't want to miss. And I don't want a single person to miss it. There you go. Let's... If you're ready to make that commitment, would you just speak it out loud? Let's say it together. I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I don't want a single person to miss it. Say it one more time, okay? I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I don't want a single person to miss it. Amen. Amen. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you need to ask the Lord to forgive you. Maybe there's someone in your life that you need to forgive. Ask the Lord to forgive you for that unforgiveness too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially to spread the gospel further, please go to c3outlet.com slash give. Have a great week.